Welcome to Calibrate Conversations, a podcast about embracing God's standard for sexuality. I'm your host, Brady Cohn. If you're joining us, do us a big favor and like this video, subscribe to our channel, leave a comment, and make sure you share with your friends. And remember, if you'd rather listen on audio apps, you can find Calibrate Conversations on podcast apps like Apple, Google, Spotify, and about everywhere else on the internet where you could possibly listen. So lately, I've been seeing different media outlets celebrating maternity sessions that feature two gay dads, and in the background is the surrogate mom who's carrying their child. I see a lot of Christians on these posts kind of decrying this trend that it's so tragic, and I agree with them. It is tragic that families are being created this way, and it absolutely falls short of God's plan for a family structure. With this trend of surrogacy, there's all kinds of people on the internet celebrating these situations. Here's one TikTok from uh, this gay dad talking about surrogacy. My husband Thomas and I often get asked, how did we become dads? For us, we decided to go through surrogacy. And today I'm going to talk a bit more about surrogacy and the different components that make up surrogacy. So surrogacy is one way of a few ways that you can become a parent as an LGBTQ couple. Other options include adoption or co-parenting, and some LGBTQ uh, individuals have children from previous straight marriages or straight relationships as well. So for those that don't know, surrogacy is when an individual carries a baby for another individual where they're not intending to actually keep that baby. And there's two different types of surrogacy when you're looking at it. There's traditional and there's gestational. A traditional surrogacy would be where the woman is actually the genetic mother of the child. And gestational surrogacy is where a woman carries a baby, but neither the egg nor the sperm are obviously her genetic makeup. So for a gestational surrogacy, there's three individuals that are involved. The surrogate, the egg donor, and the sperm donor. And when you're deciding to go with a surrogate, there's two different ways that you can go about. One is an independent and another. All right. I think that we've seen enough. Um, So here this dad is explaining surrogacy. And, you know, what comes back in my mind to all these conversations when we talk about surrogacy with a, a gay or lesbian couple is that, Their talking point is that you don't have to have a mom and a dad to have kids, but biologically, yes, you do. Every single conception involves an egg from a mother and a sperm from a father, and we are so good at distorting God's design, and that is something that we should mourn. Let's take a look at this TikTok video. My husband and I had twins via surrogacy back in February. And the question that everybody wants to know is who is the dad? I mean, literally everything we post, people are like, whose sperm was used? Which one's the daddy? Who's the daddy? Who's the dad of Harlow? Who's the dad of Monroe? So I felt like it would be a fun time to show you guys mine and Tony's baby photos, but I'm not gonna tell you whose baby photos whose. I just want you to see which baby photo 
matches. All right. So here's a situation where this very non-binary man is obviously married to another man and they've had kids through surrogacy. And so um, many times what they do is that uh, they'll actually mix both of the men's sperm and uh, to impregnate the egg that's been donated. And so that they don't know which one is actually the dad and they don't want people to know um, because they don't want to be my child or his child, they wanted it to be our child. Um, but I, I, once again, we should look at these situations with mourning and wondering how did our culture get to this place where we devalue human life so much and we devalue the family that these are the situations our culture is celebrating. And when we look at that, um, I, I pray that we can mourn that. And so here are three ways in which we can respond to these situations um, in our culture. First is this, is we understand that the LGBTQ community and same-sex couples don't hold a monopoly on having families that fall short of God's standards. There are all kinds of kids with two moms and two dads because of divorce and remarriage and kids born outside of wedlock. I, I see families all the time where the parents are divorced and then remarried. So the kid has mom and stepmom and dad and stepdad. Uh, there are women who use a sperm donor to get pregnant because that's how they chose to create a family. And we should mourn that all of these families are created in ways that fall short of God's ideal. Every child should have a mom and a dad at home. And certainly there are situations where mom and dad are missing and it's beyond anyone's control. Uh, accidental death, car accidents, cancer, disease. We mourn those losses and trust that where the ideal isn't possible, God's grace can be sufficient. But we should be able to distinguish between those situations and the ones in which children are purposely brought into this world without a mom and a dad in their life. At Calibrate Ministries, we have an entire ministry just for parents of LGBTQ kids because we want to be able to shepherd your hearts and encourage you and pray for you and your family as you navigate these situations. So just go to CalibrateMinistries.com and fill out the contact form, and I'd love to be in touch with you about how you can be involved in that ministry. We also recognize situations where adoption is the best outcome, but that story begins with trauma because when a child is taken away their, from their mother uh, and their father, there's always trauma involved. And while adoption might be the best outcome, we can't neglect the trauma that is occurring. We need to acknowledge that it exists and that we're going to need God's grace in this child's life uh, to be sufficient for what is happening to them. We, we see uh, the effects of families that don't have a mom and dad in the home. Uh, kids without fathers in the home are 20 times more likely to be incarcerated. God knew what he was doing when he designed the family. Secondly is this. We value each child as an image bearer of God, and we don't hold their origins against them. We, we shouldn't judge a child based on the choices that someone else made. As Christians, we should value every child as uniquely and wonderfully made by God. 
it's a cultural norm for us to stigmatize kids who are born out of wedlock. Uh, that, that might be the cultural norm, but we as Christians sh- should live differently than the culture. A while back in my church men's group, the topic of women getting pregnant out of wedlock came up, and one of the guys referred to their kids as nothing but little bastards. And I was kind of pissed, actually, if I can say that here. What a horrible way to treat a child and to see them after this child has been made in the image of God. Even though we shouldn't celebrate the circumstances in which a child was conceived, uh, it, it shouldn't stop us from celebrating the life of the child as God's creation. Growing up in the Midwest, there's always an emphasis on what kind of a family someone came from. You would regularly hear the words, he comes from a good family. While it's great when someone comes from a good family, we absolutely shouldn't hold their family against them. Uh, if they don't come from a good family, that, that's not a choice that they made. Coming from a somewhat dysfunctional family background, I know that I'm not responsible for the the sins of my parents and the generational sin that I was born into. We should hold people responsible for their own sin, not for the sins of others. And, and we should believe that every person can be redeemed and restored regardless of their family background. I have pastors and church leaders regularly reach out to me about speaking at their churches and events. If that's something you would be interested in, feel free to go to calibrateministries.com and fill out the contact form, and I'd love to talk to you about what that would look like. Lastly is this. We invest in them as a family, both the parents and the kids. When these kids are growing up in a less than ideal situation, they need us as believers in their lives even more. We fill the gap of what is missing. We also invest in the parents. We look for opportunities to share the gospel with parents. We encourage them in their parenting. Even if their family is not what God wants, we desire them to be the best parents possible. If we have a neighbor, the family that consists of two moms or two dads, I would treat them the same as a family next door that is having kids out of wedlock. I invest in the parents, invest in the kids, model healthy relationships, the whole family, and help the parents be the best parents they can be. To do otherwise would be to fail to love my neighbor. The Bible talks a lot about taking care of widows and orphans. We need to see kids who grow up without both mom and dad through the lens of compassion and duty, duty to love them, to be a part of the grace that is sufficient, even when their situation is not ideal. And even though a situation with a single mom or dad uh, is, is different, we can still apply the same principles of loving our neighbors, investing in God's children, and bearing the burdens of others, and inviting people into our lives and into a story of God's redemption, hope, and grace. Our response to other sin should be one of humility and mourning, mourning that they have not yet found God's grace to repent, and humility knowing that I am just as much undeserving of God's grace. 
So as we look at culture and we see these situations, let's be on our knees in prayer. Let's make sure that we're part of the solution and not part of the problem, that that our response is bringing redemption and hope to people's lives. Let's offer that hope. Let's step into the lives of people and fill the gap of what they are missing. All right. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Calvary Conversations. I know it was a really quick episode today. I've been fighting a really bad cold and getting over some sickness. So I think that this is all that my voice can handle for today. But for more resources, you should make sure you check out our website, calibrateministries.com. There's so many episodes that we've done in the last couple of years that are so beneficial to you. If you feel led to give to the ministry, you can do that on the website also, and make sure you share with your friends. We really appreciate you guys joining us and hope you see you next week on Calibrate Conversations. 